Great week to join us as we jump back into uh, a new series. This is going to be a, a six-week chunk as we walk through First and Second Thessalonians together. And uh, I, I want to start by reading First Thessalonians three twelve, and uh, we'll come back to this at the end. But it says this: May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. I believe with everything in me that if the world was saturated with people who loved each other and everyone it would change the world. It would transform our communities. It would have such a deep impact. And so, I, I want to ask some questions today and just get us to processing through the lens of really a book about Christian living, if you would, uh, the Thessalonian books from Paul to this, this young, young church, and ask questions like, how deeply does your heart cry out and lead you to action for the cause of others? Like, is it, is it just something you're aware of? Okay, yeah, I should do something about that. Or like, I've got to do something about that. Where, where on that scale do you land? The more time you spend with Jesus, the more time you spend in prayer or reading the Bible or coming to church, then the more compelled you will be to see love in action. Your love will increase and prompt you to action and uh, I'm hoping we can uncover some of that and expose it today. Um, I- interesting community, Thessalonica, and uh, Paul, the writer, was a persecutor of the church. He was, he was the guy, last week we talked about a dude named Philip where the church was scattered because there was great persecution of the church. Well, Saul was his name, was the persecutor. Like he was the one initiating the death of people that scattered the church. And so this guy has an encounter on a desert road and, and is absolutely confronted with Jesus. And, and so he, his life is transformed, and he becomes like this amazing evangelist. And, uh, and so he writes these books to the cities that he visited. In this instance, this is a thriving seaport, capital city of uh, a province in a Roman province called Macedonia. It's a community in this day and age that was huge, about 200,000 people. So it was a big commerce city, an influential place. And, uh, and historically, there's an account of when Paul went there and uh, shared with them the gospel for the first time. And, and it's in Acts 17, 1 through 5, it says this, when they had passed through Amphipolis, whatever that city is, Apollonai, I'm so glad that I don't have to say those words every week. Anyway, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days... He reasoned with them from the Scriptures. Three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and uh, proving that the Christ had to suffer and raise from the dead. 
This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks, and not a few prominent women. I just think that's an interesting way. Not a few prominent women. In other words, a bunch of women. That's great. Verse 5, but the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. The Holy Spirit's funny as He inspired Luke to write the book of Acts and record these things. You know, they rounded up a bunch of bad characters, <laughs> those little whippersnappers. I don't know. Those are just funny words to me. It's funny wording in here. And not a few prominent women gave their, their lives to Jesus and became followers. Paul and Silas were going from city to city, and they were starting riots because they were introducing this really uh, controversial reality that Jesus was the Messiah. And people were pretty ticked about that because that meant they killed the Messiah. And it was starting mobs, and it was just, it was not good from city to city. So they wouldn't have a lot of time. Three Sabbaths. So imagine, we show up in Bonnie Lake. You know, we started three years ago, Open Life. Let's say we showed up in Bonnie Lake, and our vision was to have services for three Sundays. And then let you go. I mean, reach the city. Isn't that crazy to think of? That's what Paul had. Three Sabbaths, three weeks. He discipled these guys. He poured himself into these guys. And the Thessalonians were on his heart in such a heavy way, but he only spent three weeks with them. And some churches spend their whole lifetime trying to just make a dent a tiny influential impact within a community. That's challenging to me. Three weeks. Well, hostility, as you could say, they they raised a mob. It goes on to talk a little bit about, you know, Paul and Silas. The mob didn't get Paul and Silas. They were hidden, and then they snuck out the next morning and, and, and took off to Berea and started sharing the gospel there. But when the Jewish, like, mobsters, the the bad characters, uh, heard where they were at, they followed them to that city started persecuting them there, and so then they had to go on to Corinth, and in the books of First and Second Corinthians, you can see in the New Testament, it says they were like, they were both going to share the gospel, but they were getting away from mobs that wanted to take their life, and yet their hearts were with these cities that they were depositing the gospel into, because in three weeks, I mean, the Bible is not a small book. In three weeks to impart like all of what Jesus taught, right? Our command is to teach people uh, to obey everything that Jesus commanded. Like that's a big task in three weeks. Okay, guys, we're not going to sleep. They say if you read the Bible straight without pause, you can do it in 72 hours at just normal talking pace. That means my daughters could get through it in about 10 minutes. But anyway, um, I'm just saying, uh, I'll probably have to pay them a buck for that one, but it's worth it totally. Uh, So I just look at this and say, you know, what a charge. Paul and Silas are chased off, but Paul sends what 
I guess you could call in Scripture, he does, he calls his spiritual son, which means somebody that he shared Jesus with, and, and that person chose to follow Jesus. And so now this is like they operated in the faith the same as him. And so Timothy, his spiritual son, he sent Timothy to go and visit Thessalonica. So if Paul started a mob and, uh, and, you know, this mob stirred up and is following him, but people wanted to, like, kill him and, and Silas, and so he's like, man, I've done a good job of discipling you. Why don't you go there? <gasps> you know what I'm saying? Timothy must have had that moment for a second, like, you don't like me, do you? You just want to send me to get tortured and beaten and okay, whatever, you know. Uh, I don't know. It it's kind of catches me funny, but that's what Paul does. He sends Timothy. And Timothy comes back to Paul while he's in Corinth and shares with him how the church is doing, like there is a church. And we see in the book of First and Second Thessalonians, which I'm going to challenge you every week on the back of your connection card, there's response opportunities. Like my next step is, and one of those is read through First and Second Thessalonians every week. You can do like one little section a day, and you'll get through it in a week. It's really small books. But you look in, in, and read through that. Paul was like worried that the church didn't exist anymore. I mean, three weeks. But the report that comes back, we're going to hear about, and we're going to hear what that stirred up in Paul, and it should challenge us. These are great insights for somebody who maybe you're questioning following Jesus, or you're at that place where you've made a decision, but you're still trying to figure this whole thing out. This is a great series. Maybe you know someone like that. This is a great book to share with them. So what would the world look like if we loved with the depth that we're going to discover in this series? How would those around us even have the opportunity to question our motives, actions, or faith? More so, how plain would Jesus be made known if we took action as is suggested in the context of the report uh, that we're going to get that was being written to the Thessalonian church. I believe we're about to deeply impact our city and our realms of influence because of what we're going to discover in the context of these passages. Let's start right at the beginning. 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 3 says this, and it's addressed Paul, Silas, and Timothy. That's who's writing it. To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for you, for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. It wouldn't be too hard to figure out what the three points are today if you just read that passage a couple times. Okay, so let's remember. Three weeks. They shared with them the gospel for three Sabbaths. Now, there has been time that has passed since he left. So they grew. They continued to share this, this gospel and, and, and confess Christ as Lord. And, and we find here, uh, though, that their work produced by faith. There, there's labor 
prompted by love, and there is endurance inspired by hope. I'm impressed by so many things here. One, three weeks in this church is like bearing the fruit that anybody would desire of those who follow Jesus. Not only that, though, I'm impressed by Paul's love expressed in in this book, and that's our focus for today, ultimately. His love and his thanksgiving given to God through prayer for all of these people in Thessalonica. It's unbelievable to me the compassion he has for them, having just known them for three weeks. Could we have that same heart for others that we know? like that we're just introduced to within our city. How, what are the practices that'll help us be those people in community? How are, how are the operation of these three things in our life? Maybe a more important and, and relevant question is, how are these three things being imparted into those whom you know that you're in relationship with? Maybe even if you only know them for a month, can you make that kind of an impact on their world? So the first thing that he mentions is work. A great question here is, is your faith producing works? Is your faith producing works? Not are your works producing faith, right? There's a very important order here. Is your faith producing works? Connecting you to the things that need done to exemplify the love of Jesus for our world. Do you illuminate the needs of your community to those around you with the solution in your mind? James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. God's desire is never that we just take on the knowledge of Scripture and then go, I know more today. No, it's take on this knowledge and see how we can apply this in our life. In verse 25 of James 1, it says, The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he'll be blessed in what he does. Doing it. Just just do the Word. You're not saved by works, but you are blessed in all you do because you've been faithful to carry out the works. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is important to read at this juncture because it's really fine line. If we flip those words, we can be off in our intent with our relationship with God. It says in Ephesians 2, 8, it's by grace you have been saved through faith. This not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works. So salvation is not by works. Say it out loud, not by works. We tend to defunct back to working ourselves into right relationship with God. We can't. Our right relationship with God comes through faith. It goes on to say, so that no one can boast We're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're saved through faith, not by works, but these works are prepared in advance for us to do by God. We're His workmanship. So I look at that and I go, take the pressure off. 
You shouldn't come and hear a message about faith in action and feel like, now I've got I to gotta make something happen. Not really. This is saying God is ahead of you making things happen, and we just get the opportunity to do them when we notice them. So we need to be very aware. And I'll share some opportunities that we were made aware of this week that are just so cool, and I just love it. I love what we have an opportunity to step into, but it's just because we recognize what God is doing before us. Take the pressure off. The decision to follow Jesus unlocks open doors for us, uh, for connecting our life as a blessing to others, and then our life becomes blessed because of just what we're stepping into. Uh, This week, I'm continually saying to our strategic partners, hey, let us know if we can do anything. Uh, We believe in you. We want to support you. We want to not just give some money every month towards you, but like dream big. And one of those strategic partners we have in the community is uh, Liberty Ridge Elementary School. And this elementary school, uh, I don't have kids who go there. I'm sure somebody does. I don't know. But uh, the, when we were made known about Liberty Ridge Elementary School is when we first started, and we went, went to the Sumner School District and said, hey, if there's a, an elementary school here on the plateau that needs somebody to come alongside of them and just support them, maybe financially, with labor, which school would it be? And they said, well, Liberty Ridge Elementary. They've gone from like a 30% sum free and reduced luncheon ratio to up in the 50s. And now, today, they're at 61% free and reduced, which means there's a lot of issues that go along with that on their campus. Uh, lack of, of like present adult volunteers, just a bunch of different things. Uh, um, and yet, they're like 10% away from getting resources that they need. So, it's, 61% is an interesting place to be. It's like almost able to get funding and resources, but not quite. So, it's like, but needing those funding and resources or it's just going to get like more challenging. So, we, uh, you know, I'm always saying, what can we do? And a couple different projects have come, come our direction from them. One is a fence-building project that we might take on in partnership with someone in community. And then the other was they called my wife and I into a meeting this week because we do a school supply give every fall. And maybe you've been around for a year and you've, you've been with us at one of those. And, uh, and so they called us to have this school supply meeting. Well, here's something cool that happened. When we were leaving our house… I have four kids, identical twin 10-year-olds, a 5-year-old, and then a 2-year-old. And uh, the 10-year-olds the were like, what are you guys doing this morning? We were like, well, we're going to a meeting at Liberty Ridge Elementary to talk about the school supply give that we do every fall. And our girls got this, like, revelation in their mind. Uh, we are for uh, four weeks, for 30 days in the fall, going to Indonesia and uh, uh, as a family, the Huffs are. And so we'll be gone August 19th through September 18th. And the light turned on in their minds. They're like, we're going to miss the school supply give. And they just got all, they're like, that is the favorite thing that we participate in that Open Life does. Isn't that amazing? So they had this moment they are abundantly grateful for the opportunity they have to give to peers. Like they're 10 years old. They're fourth graders. 
They love that. And we love that. There's just something rewarding about giving and putting your faith into action. And, and, and we all get the opportunity to partner in this. Let me tell the rest of this story here, though. So we thought that was moving. How cool is it that the fruit that's in your kids, like they love to be generous? I love that. But our generosity was challenged when we went to Liberty Ridge Elementary this week. And we thought we were going to plan the school give, but Lori Dent, the principal there, has been dreaming. And so, just like we've challenged her to do, right? And she said, what would it look like, and there's like multiple people in the room, what would it look like if open life could instigate us telling our students that they don't need to get school supplies? What if open life could help us provide all of the supplies for the kids in our school. And so I'm usually the one that would just at that moment say, done, you made the ask, we'll make it happen. But for some reason, I was sitting there going, that's an interesting thought, right? And my wife, the cautious one, the one who's usually like calculated, right? All the pieces need to line up. She's like, we could totally do that. And I'm just like, there you go. You know, so it's kind of funny because we've been telling them to dream. And it really... The cost of the school supplies is only $4,500, and that's retail, and, and we get, like, supplies for a penny throughout the course of the summer, you know, so we lower that price quite a bit. And already we're giving about $1,000 towards that, so I was, like, calculating it in my head, so I'm, instead of believing that God will provide, my wife just totally, like, had more faith than me in that moment. And so I was, like, going, this is challenging, this is awesome, this is a cool opportunity, and uh, and then all of a sudden we went and started partnering and, and the 410 Plaza Starbucks was like, we'll put a basket in our lobby and Office Depot is like, we'll let you get all the supplies for a penny. You know? So they started going. So all of a sudden regional managers I'm talking to and I'm going, how easy is this? So this week, uh, Liberty Ridge Elementary is not going to send a school supply list home with their parents. Is that cool? Can you just celebrate that? Now, we'll miss that, like the Huffs will miss that. You guys will get to participate in that and go and serve and give out bags with goodies in it and have like an Oprah moment for all those families uh, along with any other businesses that jumped on board with us. But I just like, I'm, how cool are the doors God prepares in advance before we show up? How cool is it that we just have to come to the table because He's prepared everything in advance the works are there in advance for us to do. We just need to do them. James 2, 14 through 18 really nails this. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs? What good is it? Right? Let's translate that to the story I just told you. Suppose we know 61% of the students at Liberty Ridge Elementary are going to struggle getting school supplies. Do we trust God to allow us to make just a dent in that? Or do we absolutely meet the need? We serve a God that says, do it. It goes on to say in verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself is not, if not accompanied by action, is dead. 
Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. Open life is a, we'll show you our faith by what we do, church. We're not a, we'll show you our faith by what's written on a website. We'll show you our faith by what we say we're about. You can tell what we're about because of what we're doing. I love that because we're obeying the Word of God. Continually ask how we need to continually ask how, how a church, and I'm continually asked, how is a church our size making such a huge impact within the community? And it's simple. God prepares works in advance, and we just do it. We're doers. Our arrows are out. We're not thinking of how can we be a more inclusive, seclusive club and just kind of be just ourselves. We're thinking how can we go out and actually live this thing out in community. Following His Word makes us believe He can do what He says He can do because He does it over and over again. Is your faith producing works? Number two, labor. Is your love increasing, prompting labor? Serving those who would suffer the injustice of a life without a comprehension of God is all about our love driving us to action. Our love spurs us on to further the good news that Jesus came so that God like could approach us, cleanse us, love us, forgive us. It's not just a Sunday service labor force. That's not the labor being spoke of in Scripture. The labor being spoke of in Scripture is a force that labors in the opportunities God prepares in advance out in the community. But two things are necessary for this labor to be initiated. Our eyes have to be open. Our heads have to be up. Our heads have to be up. Our eyes have to be open. Because opportunities all around us, there's no lack of opportunity. It says in Scripture that actually the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I would even say the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, but even less see the work that is to be done. Like they don't even recognize it when it's right in front of them. There's opportunities surrounding us everywhere. Matthew 9, 36 through 38, and I, I love the, the way it says it in the English Standard Version, so I'll read both the passages I'm going to read here in a different translation than we normally use. But it says, when he saw the crowds, Jesus, right, speaking of Jesus, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, those who were following him, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord for the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. We're the laborers. We're the ones that just have to get work done. It's hard sometimes. It's inconvenient sometimes, just like the weeding I did in my backyard yesterday. My hands are sore. I don't know why you get an ab workout by pulling weeds. Like, what is up with that? But I woke up sore. I'm like, I pulled weeds, but it was labor. And, and I, I guess I'm not used to doing that at Starbucks. Okay, anyway, um, John 4 says it this way. Uh, Do you not say, therefore, or, or there are yet four months, then the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. 
Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit and eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. There, uh, the saying holds true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap what, that for which you did not labor. Others have labored. You have entered into their labor. I mean, if our heads are up and our eyes are open, not only do we see the labor that's needed, we get to see and take part in the harvest that other laborers have prepared the way for the labor of prayer, the labor of love, the labor of compassion. I love this thing called the church. I love it when all the churches in the community grow because we're all laboring for the gospel. It's not build our kingdom, it's build the kingdom. As your love increases, your labor is less of work, and it's more of what life is all about. I had countless conversations this week with individuals who were like, doesn't it just feel good to do this? Because we were doing things that were right. It's the moments of service that you live for and seek, and the door is the open. They, they provide the stories of the faith which feed the fuel that that really inflames the longing we have and love we have for our community. So then the third thing that is recognized here in this, this first couple passages of Thessalonians about, about the church, endurance, is your hope in Jesus fueling your endurance. Galatians 6, 9 says it this way, "'Let us not become weary in doing good,' For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. 1 Peter 4.10 says it this way, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. This is a beautiful expression of the reason we have gifts and strengths individually in the first place to administer God's grace in its various forms. That's what we're called to do. Make God's grace known to the world around us. It goes on in verse 11. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We need to use our gifts in God's strength over our own. God's strength. Glory goes to God, and we endure. Endurance is found when we don't just try to do it without Jesus. If we try to do this thing called life without Jesus, and we try to make the world a better place without that growing relationship with Jesus, we'll become exhausted doing it in our own strength. But the opposite is true. When we serve, and we serve in the name of Jesus, we're energized. We're totally energized. And the, okay, so this is the first three verses of Thessalonians. We're going to make it through this in six weeks. I'm just kidding. Uh, wow. There's so much incredible stuff in here. But I, wanna, I, I want to see how this tone carries itself through all of Thessalonians. Uh, and so I'm going to hit some additional passages here really quick. The tone and stream of thought resonates through the writings of this overflowing love and the, the desire not only to love each other but everyone else. My life verse, 1 Thessalonians 2.8, says, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God 
but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. Three weeks. I've been asked by many people, hey, we know that like you guys are partnering with ICA Sarabaya and you're going to go back for a month to Indonesia. That's a long time with your family. I was like, yeah, are you staying there? Are you guys going to become missionaries? No, because we run a missions organization already right here in Bonnie Lake, but we can't wait to send people there every year. This is a setup trip. I'm setting all you up. That's what I'm doing, right? And then I'm going to be challenging you. Hey, you should see this. Because you know what? I bet in just a few weeks of being present there, hopefully a mob doesn't raise up and try to kill me. Anyway, be praying that. Uh, but Because I will be going into an area that... Anyway, uh, do be praying for our safety. But the, when we come back, I think we're going to have this same love that Paul experiences for the Thessalonians in just three weeks. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you were so dear to us. How can I live that verse out and say no to a missionary who invites me back for a month? I'm like, I can't say no. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Life is easily the best share of the love of God. That's why I love this verse. If we'll share life with one another, if we'll live life open then we have an opportunity to make Jesus so plain and understandable to those around us. And I believe the only thing that can get us, give us this love for others so quickly when we meet them is we pray before we meet them. We need to be those who would be praying for our community, praying for our city, praying for others. There should be people's names that we're praying for so that when we do see them, Our love overflows even more. We must allow our hearts to be broken for all we meet. Heads up, eyes open, right? 1 Thessalonians 2.17 says it this way, Brothers, when we were torn away from (laughs) from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan stopped us. For that is our hope. Uh, For what is our hope? Our joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. With a little water in my eyes, I paste that verse into someone's Facebook about a week ago saying happy birthday to them. Jaden. We call him Mr. Jaden in our house because we have a daughter named Jaden. And it'd just be kind of weird to refer to him as Jaden. Anyway, but uh, Jaden, campus pastor here, uh, we, we said happy birthday to him. And I paste that verse in there and I was like, I, I mean that. Those who I've had an opportunity to pour my life into in ministry, when I see them accomplishing great things for the Lord, they are the glory and joy. I take way more pleasure. Maybe I'm getting old. Nobody say amen to that. But I, when, when I take so much more pleasure now in the things I see others do than in the things that I do. It brings me such joy to see someone living out their faith and, and pursuing 
action and in what they believe. And I just, be, I, when I see others becoming great sharers, this verse just rings true. They're the glory and joy of our life. So who have you poured into that's doing wonderful things? And have you thought of the reality that's really the glory and joy of the faith is what they're doing? And if you haven't poured into anyone, man, start today because the true blessing is on this other side. First Thessalonians 3.2 says, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage your faith. Gatherings are awesome. Groups are incredible. I encourage you to plug into one. But they can be summed up here. Our role, strengthen and encourage each other in the faith. I think right now I didn't put it in the notes, so you could jot this somewhere. I think it's Romans 1, 16, somewhere right there, where Paul was writing to the church there. He said, I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual wisdom. And I just go, that needs to be our heart with those that we've played a part in their faith. We just need to long to be together. I hope our groups long to meet, and it's not like great Open Life has groups. (laughs) Guess it's that week, second and fourth week of the month. I'm going to show up, and I have to hang out with these people. Well, first of all, you invite someone you like if you hate it there, you know. But anyway, it's just like, uh, but that shouldn't be our heart at all. We should be longing to hear the stories of what each other are doing and be able to have a meal and just like do life together and, and let this thing resonate in us, strengthen and encourage one another. To me, church is necessary. I was having that conversation this week. Somebody's like, isn't church just like something you could do if you wanted to do? And I was like, you know, to me, it's necessary. Like, I, I need to be refueled. I have like a hybrid car. If I had an electric car, I wouldn't push the thing around. I would charge it. And, and I can't believe that some, sometimes we just have this mentality, if it's easy, I might go to church. If it's easy, I might show up to group. When really, that's an opportunity to recharge. I challenge you to just be plugged in. Yeah, we can recharge by reading the Word and praying ourselves, but there's something about each other's faith increasing that increases ours. Life has enough worries of its own without my adding to it because I'm trying to do this faith thing by myself all alone. I need the strength and encouragement of others. Let me wrap up by just reading 1 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 12, because it's almost like creepy how gushy it is, right? Listen to this. Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers, In all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live. I capitalize that. I want you to get that. For now we really live. Since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. 
May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Are you loving like Jesus? Are you loving like the challenge here? Could Jesus be more known through you? Are you working, laboring, enduring? I remember signing up for Facebook and some of the friend requests that came to me and people messaging me that were in my youth ministry years ago saying, Thad, hey, I'm so glad to reconnect. I'm a missionary in Norway. And I was like, how did that happen, right? You know that kid? You're just like, there's no way that kid's a missionary. Like for a cult? You know, I don't know. I was like, you kidding me? And then I'm just celebrating inside of me going, how did that happen? But then there's that moment where you're just like, he's a missionary in Norway. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to bear this kind of fruit. I, I really live now because I've poured into people's lives, and I, I want that for you. I want you to read First and Second Thessalonians this week and turn over that connection card and let us know your, your plans for this week. Jot some instructions for yourself on your handout because you need to pray for someone. Who are you going to be praying for with the longing Paul was praying for this church? Who's your, who's your Timothy that you've poured into that you could send to others and feel good about the fruit that they're going to report. I don't know. I just, all these things are in my mind. I want to, maybe God's challenging you with something totally different today, which happens to me. I'm ADD. Jot it down. We want to celebrate with you where you're at in the journey. God, I thank you for your word. It's crazy challenging. And uh, as we become more like you, God, I pray that you would let us just be broken with love, not just for our own relationship with you, but for others. I think of so many names that I could put into some of these passages. The, the grace to be a part of others' lives, I, I honestly, I could say those very words, now I really live. And yet, you have so much more for us, so many more doors that are going to open. May we be those that walk through life this week with our heads up and our eyes open. May we believe that you can do anything that you put before us. Help us to be a great light and an expression of your love in this city. In Jesus' name, amen. We're just going to sing one of our songs again here. And I want you to think, what is God going to do through you this week before James comes and closes us?